From finance and commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. I would also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Guarantee Commercial Title. Guarantee offers a new platform for the delivery of services based on the expertise and ingenuity of a visionary team of title professionals that identifies obstacles and creates solutions that result in a successful sale, construction, or financing of commercial real estate. To learn more, visit GuaranteeTitle.net. When it comes to competing for business talent, Minnesota companies are well served to get out of their comfort zone and cast a wide net that extends well beyond their circle of family and business contacts. So says Lisa Brzonic, CEO of Salo, a Minneapolis-based company that helps businesses recruit and retain talent in finance, accounting, human resources, and other fields. Quote, if we want to invite more diversity in our workplace, then as we have openings and opportunities to invite new people to come work with us, we have to go to different sources, says Brzonic. Quote, we have to ask different people. We have to call people that we never knew, end quote. Brzonic's experience in recruiting and human resources is deep and wide. After eight years as an owner of her own organizational and consulting firm, Brzonic joined Sallow in 2015. She started as chief talent officer and quickly climbed the ladder to chief operating officer and CEO. Brzonic's resume also includes HR leadership positions with RBC Dane Rauscher, Integ, and Room and Board. She has served on boards for Bridgewater Bank, consumer software firm Kipsu, Hennepin Health Foundation, the Jeremiah Program, and more. In the following interview with reporter Brian Johnson, Brzonic talks about the importance of having a diverse workforce, flexible work environments in the post-pandemic age, and more. Happy to be joined by Lisa Brzonic of Salo, on provider of interim-based talent and finance based right here in Minneapolis. Um, Lisa, thanks for thanks for joining me today. Thrilled to be here. Good to be with you, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. So I wonder if we could just jump right in and talk a little bit um, about your company and some of the specific services you provide and, and how long you've been in business. Yeah, absolutely. We are about to celebrate our 19th year. And as you said, we're based here in Minneapolis. Uh, we also have an office in Chicago. And we have team members in uh, Houston and Denver as well, and we're adding to that team and other places around the country. Uh, we work with really great talent that uh, really specializes in finance, accounting, and human resources. And we match those folks and their skills to business problems that are happening with our clients. Um, and the way we do it is, you know, bringing people in who get really excited about a certain kind of work, matching that up so that we can bring a consultant in to help with whether it's an interim project or a project to help optimize um, a process or something like that, but we can bring them in and really help the team actually find a new way of solving something, but also create some energy and a different level of engagement on the team because they're getting solutions they didn't have before. Okay. 
And do you work with all different companies of different sizes and in a wide range of sectors? We do, we do. We have companies of all different sizes. We're in all different niche markets um, and sectors. Um, we basically, if somebody needs help with finance, accounting, or HR, regardless of any other part of their company, we can probably help. Um, we help a lot of companies who are just trying to start out um, or they just have a little something they need to figure out and they don't need somebody there all year. So a great example of um, where we've been able to help people uh, right now is recruiting, trying to find people. Mm-hmm. Um, but also things like comp or benefits that are very cyclical in nature, right? So they happen at a certain time of year. And then if you're a smaller company and you get your open enrollment done or you figure out your comp cycle, then you might not need to do anything else in that, in that world of work until next year. And so it's a great way we can bring in a consultant and a company doesn't have to hire a benefits full-time employee. Uh, we do the same thing on the accounting finance side. There are cyclical things that happen um, that you may not need to do all the time, or you might be getting ready to jump into making something stronger than it's been in the past, optimizing your close process or something like that, where you don't necessarily want to bring in a whole team of people, but you need a person to come in and kind of do a level set of how's it working now, where are the gaps, how do you get it to the next spot? We can help design what the work is to get it to the next spot. And then if you need people to help put that in place, we can help. And then sometimes we'll give you the plan and your existing team can be the ones that put that in place and execute on it. Okay. Great. You mentioned recruiting. It's a, a huge issue for companies uh, all, of all shapes and sizes and in, in different sectors, um, especially we, we cover construction and development here. Uh, do you have clients in that field? And I'm sure they have recruiting challenges. Uh, well, they, we do. We have quite a few in that area. Yeah, yeah, we have quite a few clients in that area. And trying to find people is really different in every industry. That's a, another industry that's been really hit in a really interesting way because through the pandemic, people still worked, right? Not everybody, a lot of those projects continued. Pieces mm-hmm. of the projects might not, but a lot of projects continued and people had to figure out how to work through some pretty tough conditions. And in places where that went well, um, you know, people were able to do well, but in some places it didn't go well or people were um, kind of made a name for themselves by doing that work. And so now as companies are coming back and they have more and more needs, those folks are thinking differently about it and thinking about what could I possibly do? And when they get that phone call, they're taking the phone call faster than they have in the past. And because many companies have had some cash on the side that they didn't spend due to the pandemic, saving on M&E and you know, different things that typically you would have spent on, they're able to get a little bit more creative on wages. And so we're all seeing, I don't, I don't know any company who's not seeing this, seeing some pressure on um, people that you didn't think would ever leave who are now thinking about it, compensation pressure, um, interesting benefits, um, different talent strategies that haven't necessarily been used in the last few years. We thought we had a war on talent um, you know, a couple of years before all this happened. And we've just taken that up about 10 notches from where it was pre-pandemic. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, on the, the worker side, this experience we've been going through with the pandemic opens up actually some, there are challenges, obviously, but also opportunities. Now, of more people working remotely, you have more flexibility in where you can live and maybe avoiding that commute and things like that. Um, are, are you seeing that in the work you do as well? For sure. For sure. So it's interesting because you brought up construction. That's an example where um, you don't get the same kind of flexibility if you're working on a job site, right? You got to be on the job site, but there's plenty of jobs within the same industry that can be done from home and have been done from home and will be done from home for a period of time. As we've been taking a look at it and talking to clients and even looking at it for ourselves, you know, I think the key is flexibility. Um, if you, there's, there's been different CEOs in the past few months that have come out and said, on this date, everybody must come back to the office. 
And my premise would be that even if the first thing I wanted to do was go back to the office because I missed my people, the minute somebody told me I had to, I probably got less interested. <laughs> I wanna have some choice and I wanna know that um, I'm not being told what to do. Um, and especially when during the pandemic, most employers were very thoughtful and considered about their employers need, employees' needs. And so to swing from what do you need, what do you need to you must is, is harsh. And mm -hmm. so um, we all need to think about how do we meet our employees where they're at and how do we talk to our team about this is what the business needs, this is what you need, how do we find a happy middle so that you get what you want and the business needs get met as well. But that's not going to be done the same way it was two years ago. It can't be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think employers are starting to change their perspectives or attitudes about working from home now, given the experiences of the past year and a half or so? Yeah, for sure. I think everybody's moving on a different continuum though, right? So everybody started at a different place of, I believe, you know, the new normal is going to be X and where they go and where they land is going to shift. There's a lot of employers that said they're going to bring most of their teams back um, after Labor Day or in the fall or sometime between then and, and January. And I think everything that we think we know right now is probably going to shift when that happens, because then when people actually come back and decide how it works, some people who thought they wouldn't want to come back might really love being back and having that energy. And some people might not and vice versa, right? So um, again, it's this flexibility of if you think you know how things are going to be in six months, I would challenge that you probably don't know what you're talking about because um, things are changing so fast and they haven't quite normed out yet. Um, so so as, you know, as we bring people back and as we have conversations with people who are struggling, I really think the key is to just listen is what do you, what do you need right now? To, and, and almost per employee, like how do you get your leaders to sit down with each person and just talk about what do you need right now? Yeah, and, um, you know, I think there's kind of a general feeling out there that um, the, the, the workplace of the future is going to be probably, uh, you know, working from home isn't going to go away. There may be some kind of a hybrid situation. Um, people go in a couple times a week or something like that. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts? Um, what's your perspective in general on you know, some of the other um, trends we might be seeing in the post-pandemic workplace? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's uh, quite a few new things that are going to happen. One thing that we saw was during the pandemic, since it didn't matter where people were, they decided to go to warm venues in the winter or go stay with family or go places that they never would have made decisions to do because they could work from wherever they were. I think some of that's going to carry over. We're going to see people who say, you know what, um, instead of spending the entire winter in Minnesota, instead of taking a week vacation, I might actually go rent a VRBO and be in Phoenix for four weeks, five weeks, because I just proved that I could work that way. I think we're going to have a lot of people who say, I want to try being more creative with where I work. And it used to be before this, the majority of us, I think, thought about, I have a job and I have to fit my life into my job. That flipped. And now I think more people are saying, I've created a life and now I want my job to fit in my life. And if my job doesn't fit into my life, I might need to change my job to better accommodate that. Mm -hmm. And that's where we as leaders and employers have to stop and think about that and say, okay, how do we change our voice? How do we listen more? And how do we think about what, what do we do to accommodate that without you know, losing business requirements? I mean, things still have to get done, mm -hmm. but if we're inflexible and we don't listen to that, hey, the way you want me to do this doesn't work. How do we have a conversation to, again, like I said, meet in the middle on this? Because employees saying I must have it this way and employers saying I must have it this way, that's not a good recipe for anyone. So everybody's got to lean in and figure out how do we make this work now? Um, because we have different wants and needs. Yeah. Do you see with the, with the 
flexibility that you were talking about, maybe some people putting off retirement where otherwise they be, well, I don't really want to, I'm kind of tired of doing the uh, nine to five grind, but if it means I can maybe move to a warmer climate and continue working remotely, um, sure, I'll stay on, you know, for another few years. Do you see yeah. something like that happening? I think it's both of both uh, sides of that. So one, we saw a lot of people who uh, weren't ready to retire um, that within the last year said, you know what, I've had enough and I'm tired. And after going through all that, I think I will retire. And it's earlier than what they thought, or at least they went to some sort of, we've seen a lot of people who come to work and do consulting with us said, you know what, I don't want to be in a full-time employment situation anymore. I'd love to find a way to do contract work so that I can take more time off, have more flexibility. So that's some of people who are looking to retire. And then the opposite is true as well as to what you just said of, well, okay, so I was going to retire here. Now I'm seeing that I could probably do this a little bit differently and change how I work, which then would allow me to work longer. But there's, there's also another really interesting trend around this is that we saw um, a little over a year ago, um, we saw this, not even a year ago, we saw this big trend in the pandemic where a bunch of women were leaving the workforce saying that they couldn't figure out how to manage their work and manage their kids the way things were set up with the pandemic and trying to school kids from home or take care of loved ones. A lot of those women are now saying, okay, so we've kind of got that back in order and now my options are different. And so I might be interested in going back into the workforce. The thing is, they're probably not gonna go in the same way. The things that didn't work for them before, they're gonna figure out how to do differently. And so I think we're gonna see more women looking for and demanding more flexibility and saying, I wanna work, I want to have a great career, but employer, I need you to work with me on making sure that I can also be there for my kids, my family, or whatever it happens to be. Um, and that's going to dribble over, not just to women, to men who are taking care of their families as well, but it's a huge demographic that we saw change last fall that now is starting to shift a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Things have definitely changed from how we viewed sort of this work-life balance 20, 30 years ago, or even more recently, so. Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago, <laughs> exactly. Um, talk a little bit about, um, you know, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion policies, and what you see, um, kind of how, how, um, how, how that might shake out. Um, yeah, in the future. for sure. So, um, you know, uh, I guess we're over a year now, a year and some change ago when uh, the murder of George Floyd happened and many events before that and after that have happened, it required everybody to think differently about how they were thinking about um, being inclusive, truly having a diverse workforce and showing up in their community. And mm -hmm. so over the course of the last year, most companies, not all, but I should say many companies took a harder look at what have we been doing and was it enough? And I think a lot of people realized it wasn't enough. It wasn't even close to enough. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say we're one of those companies that said we're not doing enough and we can always do more. But the thing that we did that I think a lot are doing is we said, um, when we go look for people, we kind of go to the places that we know will have success. So when I have an opening, there's a network of people that I have that I go say, hey, I'm looking, do you know anyone? And those are all people that I know well, and they probably look and are from, you know, my demographic and are very similar to me. And if we keep doing that every time we have openings, we're gonna to continue to bring more, more people that are like us. And mm -hmm. so if we really wanna have diversity and change it and bring more people of color, more women, different age groups, all of that, socioeconomic, all that, if we wanna invite more diversity into our workplace, then as we have openings and opportunities to invite new people to come work with us, we have to go to different sources. We have to ask different people. We have to call people that we never knew, that we didn't know before this, 
us and say, hey, I'm looking for somebody. Do you know anybody? And be vulnerable about it and say, we don't have very much diversity here, or we are a predominantly white organization and we don't want to be. How could we change that? People have to be willing to be vulnerable about that. And I think um, some companies have. Some companies have said they will, they were and they haven't. And some companies are not paying attention to it. I think the companies who are actually saying, we're going to be vulnerable about this and we're going to try and do this differently, even if they're making mistakes along the way, are the people who are going to figure it out. And that's where this whole war for talent is where it can get a lot better, right? Because mm -hmm. again, we're trying to find more people. And if you go to the same well, it's only so deep. Mm -hmm. But if you add six more wells to that phone call, to that search, like your opportunity to find more people and by the way, more qualified people and people who will bring new perspectives to your organization and make it stronger, that's just a win-win for everybody. And so I think a lot of companies are really paying attention to that and thinking, sourcing, 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 how do I do that differently? What you also have to talk about then though is once you find people to come in, then how do you make sure they feel welcome and included and that new perspective that you hired them for that they feel comfortable sharing it? Um, because a lot of us, you know, myself included, get very stuck in this, well, this is how we do it. And in a meeting, we, we send out um, uh, this, this uh, we, we have these, um, wow, my words are struggling here, but we, we don't send the message that we wanna hear something different. We say, oh, I, we've tried that before. And, and so, you know, we're trying to work really hard on that. And I think that's what all the companies around the country need to do right now in the world for that matter, right? Like how do you stop and really think about inviting people in is the baby step. The really big step is when you're sitting around a table and talking about a problem, how do you make sure that everybody around the table speaks up about what they think the best solution is to that problem and that nobody says that's not a good idea or dismisses it or moves along, but that we all stop and really think about these ideas. And that's when things get better. And that's when people truly feel included. And that's when, even though you invited people in, they stay because they see they can add value. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you said, it's just the, the old way of doing things doesn't cut it anymore. And nope. uh, you have to look at those other wells of talent. Exactly. Out um, talk a little bit about the um, importance of addressing uh, mental health needs of employees. Yeah, it's so important right now, right? Um, everybody um, has been through a lot and everybody has their own story to share about what the last year and a half was to them. And if you think that you're working with anybody that didn't have something really difficult that was specifically difficult for them, you're, you just haven't asked enough questions because we all have a story. Um, and so because of that, again, I think it has really required all of us to reflect and say, how do I want to best use my time now? You know, like if I just struggled with this over the last year, some people lost people, some people got sick, some people um, decided that they weren't going to be friends with the same people because of how they want to deal with masks or racial equity or all kinds of things. We just, relationships that we had got broken through all these really tough discussions. And so that takes a toll on mental health, but it also takes a toll on people deciding where can I be that will support me as I'm going through that, that kind of journey? What kind of company can I work with where I can be my whole self? I can say what I think. I can show up in a way that's genuine to me. And when I need help, my leader, my company will respect that and A, they'll give me help and B, it's okay to say I need help. Um, and those seem like really simple table stakes, but um, you know, you'd be surprised how many people you talk to that they would say, I don't feel comfortable saying that at work. If we don't show that we're comfortable saying that and offer resources for people, we're gonna lose people. And um, I don't know anybody who can afford to lose the, I mean, really good people right now that are doing a great job and are a great fit. I don't know anybody that can afford that right now. Yeah, yeah, 
for sure. Um, you talk about the need to, to consider temporary talent. Um, yeah. How, how, um, how does that fit in to, uh, for, I, I guess, from, from both the employer and the uh, employee's perspective, maybe if they're in between jobs or something? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I think where employers need to think differently about this is that when there's a really difficult talent market out there, it's going to take time when you need to fill a position. It's just, it's not going to happen as quickly as it has happened in the past. And so to make sure that you keep things moving, bringing in somebody to help is going to make a whole lot of sense. Because if you don't, the rest of your team that's probably already tired has to take on more. Um, and that's going to cause you more ripple effect with engaging and keeping everybody else on the team. So bringing people in to make sure there's enough resources on the team on a temporary perspective makes a lot of sense. The other place, I mentioned this before, but the other place that this can be really helpful is um, from a you know bottom top line, really thinking from a company's perspective of okay, so if this is all the work that has to get done, you know where where do I just need a project to get done versus I need to bring a person in for an entire year and thinking opportunistically about how can I trade in resources and bring in real specialized talent. So depending on what you're doing, if you have a person who's there for the whole year, they might be really good at this and not as good at this. So instead, you can think about how do I trade in players, right? So for the first quarter, this is the project and this is a skill set. So I'm going to bring in somebody here. When that project is done or that body of work is done, then we go to this and I bring somebody who has capacity for this. They have a specialty here. Um, and it might be I need somebody really senior here. But when I get to this project, I don't need somebody as senior. Um, and so therefore, what I want to pay for that and how I want to look at that is different. So it just mm -hmm. it allows some flexibility. Um, we're doing that a lot in our business and really thinking about, okay, so as we try to make sure that we've got all of our bases covered. What are the places where it makes sense to hire a permanent employee? And what are the places where that probably doesn't make the most sense? And we can work with a contractor to help us really think about getting from A to you know, maybe D, but we don't need it to Z with that entire with that person. Yeah. And on the employer side of it, what's really great, um, I've done contract work and I've been a permanent employee. And, and one of the benefits of being a contract employee is that the work that you love to do, you can continue to do that from project to project to project. Um, you, you pick this thing that is your specialty and then you do that. And then when you're done doing that, you get to stop doing it there and pick it up and go do it in another company versus when you're in the same company, certain skill sets, not all, but certain skill sets, um, are things that you like to launch something, but you may not be an execution person Well, you can go launch things as a consultant all over the place and then leave it to a company or a different set of people to do the execution on that. And some people vice versa, right? They love to execute, but coming up with a plan. So that's where it can be really helpful to think about it. It also um, is a great opportunity for people to think about it as a career um, because right now there are more great professional roles that are being contracted than ever before. And people are really realizing that that is a really great career path that um, it, you know, traditionally a career path was thought to be in, an op or in a company as a permanent FTE employee, you know, that's your entire career. More and more people have switched to doing, you know, we were calling it gig before the pandemic. I don't know if we're calling it gig as much, but it's the gig work, right? Where you get to come in and do different things. And there's so many different ways to do it. You know, obviously we provide that service, but there are so many companies that are doing it right now. It's a real sign that this is a real important career path and a really interesting way to think about starting your career, being in the middle of your career or ending your career. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about diversity and inclusion. Um, I think it can extend that to older workers too. Um, what are exactly. some of the misconceptions about older workers like, oh, they're not as up to speed on technology and things like that. Um, can you talk about that and overcoming some of those misconceptions? Yeah, 
Yeah, so I think um, number one, I think that's obviously a huge misconception and generalization that any one age group is good at one thing and not good at another thing. Um, the way that we work with our consultants, um, we find, okay, what is, what is the solve that a company needs? And then we get really thoughtful and specific with looking at consultants that are, have that exact thing. And what's really great is that, you know, you asked about what kind of companies we work with. If a company who is, you know, 5 billion and is in, um, um, in some sort of healthcare versus a company that calls us that is 50 million and they're in some sort of manufacturing, they can have the same exact problem, but they need a very different person to help them solve that problem based on their size and their kind of time and, um, and where that company is. And so um, if you just assume that, you know, an older consultant's not going to help you, I would really challenge that because mentoring is huge. A lot of what people do when they bring consultants in is bring somebody with some expertise that's seen it, been there, done that. And the company might be at a point where they can't afford to bring in a permanent person with that level of expertise, but they can bring them in for three months to help them mentor and get a project going and teach a team how to do something then that consultant can come out and now that team has had that mentoring and that tutelage to figure out how to do that. We do that in a lot of different places. And I think that's a place where we're really underestimating the gifts that we can bring from people who are at the end of their career to mentor and help build um, and teach some of those life career lessons that you've got to learn. And when you've just gotten new responsibility early in your career, you haven't had time to learn those lessons. Um, and so that's huge. The other thing is that um, the perspective and how many things they've seen when you're the earlier you are in your career, you've only seen so many things. By the time you get to, you know, close to the end of your career, you've seen multiple companies, multiple different situations and evolutions of companies and the way things have happened, different leaders, different CEOs, all of it. And so it really helps you understand, okay, it needs this versus this. When you've only seen it one way, you just, you take the application, the one solution that you know, and you try to apply it. And we all know that you know, that one solution usually fits just a couple of things, not everything. Yeah, interesting perspective. Well, it's been a, a great conversation. Do you have anything else to add, Lisa, before I let you go? Or um, it's just, uh, I guess we, I guess we'll wait and see um, what, what changes are coming, but um, it, it'll be a, a, an interesting journey as we um, continue down this road of um, the, the workplace of the future. So yeah, I think so. I think the one thing that I would that I would leave you with or add is that um, I think the the leaders that have gotten really clear on what their work's all about, what their mission is, and what their values are, and what they're trying to accomplish, um, as we're trying to figure out how the workplace is going to shift, and we're trying to figure out how to keep employees sticky with us and and loyal and wanting to work with us. If you know where you're going and why you're doing it, employees can get excited about that. If you don't know that, then it's really hard to retain people. So know who you are know what your company stands for and you know make sure that you're talking to your folks about it yeah great well fascinating stuff well thank you again so much lisa for for joining us today really enjoyed the conversation great thank you brian it was a pleasure thanks take care all right bye-bye thank you for listening and please subscribe to beyond the skyline we can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts to learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe go to our website www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.